listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hello and welcome to My Pet Podcast. I'm Beck and I'm joined by Dr. Glenn. Hello. In this episode of My Pet Podcast, we're going to talk about um, the cruciate ligament and more importantly when it's um, we have an, when you have an injury Goes or pop. Yes. It does go pop, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Yep. Um, so you can have an injury or just degeneration, which essentially ends up causing an injury, basically. Yep. Um, and we're going to talk about what that is. It's um, cruciate injury ligam- um, ligament damage is actually one of the most common causes of hind leg lameness in dogs, isn't it? Yes. So it's quite common. Yep. Glenn would see a fair few of them. A so. couple a week. Yep. A couple a week. Yep. Well, I didn't think it would be that many, but yeah, that's right. a couple right. a week in my little one vet yeah, practice. Basically. that's right. It's, it's, it's common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very common. So um, just before we get started, remember this is general advice and it may or may not be suited to you and your pet. And if you have any concerns with your animal's health, please contact your veterinarian. Yes. So Glenn, cruciate ligaments, as we said, it's actually, you know, the greatest cause of hind leg lameness and clearly quite common. Um, what is the cruciate ligament? Where is it? It's uh, in the stifle, in the knee joint, mm-hmm. so back leg, um, okay. the bit that points forward, not points back, so below the hip, above the ankle joint, yep. basically. So that's the, the stifle <laughs> knee joint. Um, uh, the cruciate ligament runs from, well, there's two of them, but the mm-hmm. main one is the ACL anterior cruciate ligament, also called the cranial cruciate ligament yep. in dogs. Um, it stops the shin bone from pushing forward, basically. So think of a tight little cable that runs from the back of the thigh bone to the front of the shin bone um, and crosses through the middle of the joint. Yep. It stops uh, motion from that shin bone um, pressing forward, basically. If you um, add up all the angles um, when a dog is just standing there or, or when they're moving as well, um, their knee points forward mm-hmm. and the sum of the angles of the um, all the forces involved um, pushes that shin bone forward so the cruise is there to stop that so, so it connects the um the tibia to the femur so yes. your leg bones connects your leg bones across the knee yes across the knee yeah yeah so it's a, it's a tight little cable basically or should yeah. be a tight little cable that stops that movement so, so it attaches um, the top bone to the bottom bone across the knee yes which is connected to the toe bone <laughs> yeah that's right um but yes, <laughs> I'm throwing him now. <laughs> it's hard to get good help. <laughs> so, but there's another one too. That's the cranial ligament. Yeah, that's... and the cord- the caudal ligament is less commonly injured, and and certainly very important still. Yep. Um, but the um, it, it usually comes under less stress and strain, certainly. So it's it's you know twenty nine times out of thirty, it's just the the cranial okay. cruciate ligament that we have trouble with, or, or the ACL. Yeah. Yep. So. As I mentioned, it can be from an injury, like just out of the blue injury, pop goes the ligament. Yeah, look, we, we think so. There's there's no one to do research on it, yep. essentially. Like there's no um, massive studies on arthroscoping the joints of dogs that haven't done their cruciate mm. ligaments yet. Um, so they're really the only joints that we look in are ones that have already got substantial problems. Yep. Um, and some of those pets um, will have significant degeneration Mm -hmm. of the ligament but haven't uh, actually 
it hasn't gone top or, yet. Yeah. Um, a lot of dogs will present as they haven't had any visible or noticed problems until um, they just pull up three-legged lame one day yep. and they stay three-legged lame for you know, a couple of days or a week or yep. two. Um, and if you don't intervene and go to your vet and get them sorted out, um, a lot of them will improve somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and over you know, a week or two, becoming a month or two, the, the level of lameness will improve. Mm-hmm. Um not to 100%, um, yep. but then they get worse again. Yep. So that's because the joint inflammation settled and, and the body did the best thing it could to settle things down, mm-hmm. but then severe osteoarthritis sets in um, yep. and sometimes um, meniscal damage. So um, the ligaments there to stop uh, excessive movement within yep. the knee joint, um, particularly medium to large breed dogs that, that end up with cruciate troubles, um, a lot of them will damage their meniscus, the little cartilage yep. shock-absorbing pad that's on top of the, the shin bone essentially. So... Um, yeah, when you first notice that lameness, the, the ligament probably went pop then. Yep. Was it 100% beforehand? Most likely not. Yep. Um, and we know that from, um, most pets, um, that do one cruciate, about 50% of them, um, are likely to do it in the other knee within 12 mm. months. Um, and that's because the other ligament has, you know, degenerated as well. Yep. Just that one of them decided to go first. Yep. Um, and it has been sometimes like a, a traumatic episode, you know, collision with another dog at full yep. speed, um, rapid high speed turn, chasing mm-hmm. a tennis ball or something like that. So a sudden, um, deceleration, a stop and turn. So the dog plants that leg into the ground mm-hmm. uh, while it's trying to decelerate and particularly a direction change as well yep. and that's when it goes pop yep. but it was the 5,000, 10,000 times that it did that same thing before that that probably it. made it more frayed and weakened yep. as long as as well as the you know, the predisposing factors to it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, there are some factors that actually um, make them more at risk of actually having a cruciate injury. Yep. So things like um, an abnormal or poor conformation, so makeup of their leg structure <laughs> yeah basically i mean certainly we see it more in a very upright dog so uh-huh. if you draw a, a sort of look at your dog from side on when they're standing up and you draw an imaginary line from their hip to their knee to their ankle to their foot um these dogs with very upright conformation uh-huh. so that line's a lot straighter basically are, are more prone to cruciates just because of the, the angles it just puts more force on pressure, that, yeah. that ligament and we see that um I mean, it depends on the, the breed of the dog, but I mean, certainly poodles of any size mm-hmm. tend to be quite upright. Um, a lot of rottweilers, some, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of dogs, you know, Akitas and um, some of your huskies and samoids mm-hmm. seem to be quite upright. Um, I mean, and then there's lines in every breed. Um, you know, if that's your upright confirmation, um, it, it certainly makes them more um, genetically predisposed. Yep. Uh, a lot of staffies have got a, a different um, uh, tibial plateau angle. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the, uh, shin bone um, if you think of the top of the shin bone like as a flat line a flat mm-hmm. surface the angle of that um, can basically tilt forward a little mm-hmm. bit um, or tilt back less and shunts that femur forward okay. just as part of their, their conformation so we see sort of a, a sub set of of um, you know lots of staffies um, that that have a, a genetic predisposition not necessarily through being upright but but just a change in the, in the knee angles their bones formed in a different way so therefore that ligament's got a 
sort of just, shape just, around it differently. No, not shape around it, but just it's under more stress. Yep. Yeah, so the ligament's still on a straight line, but it's just under more stress yep. because of how the joint's set up and, and that's where um, the other potentially predisposing factor comes into it. There's more and more discussion these days about timing of dissexing and, and mm-hmm. that side of things um, as, a, as a predisposing factor to a couple of different conditions and, and certainly there's um, increasing research about um, early desexing in um, medium to large breed dogs uh, can change the, the conformation angles and, and change yep. the bone structures um, the, of long Because bones. of the change in the hormones release when you Change in the hormones, early. yeah. Yep. So, and what's early, I mean, you know, a lot of um, you know, rescues and RSPCA and that sort of thing, you know, for animal control mm-hmm. uh, measures, they're desexing pets, um, well, puppies, you know, before they go to homes and that sort of yep. thing. Um, so certainly taking away the potential for sex hormone development, like at, you know, two, three, four months of age, yep. um, it does make the bones grow uh, longer. Yep. Um, so a, a desexed animal that is desexed any time before they've finished growing mm-hmm. will end up slightly taller, yep. slightly probably straighter of leg, um, and it changes um, the growth plates essentially. The, the growth plates continue growing for longer in a um, desexed animal than they do in a non-desexed mm-hmm. animal. So there's a recent study um, released in um, Labradors that suggested there was a fourfold, so like a 400 times Oh, sorry, 400% increase in um, cruciate ligament injuries in dogs that were desexed early, wow. so prior to six months of age. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, quite a substantial um, yep. in- increase uh, as a risk factor. It's hard to completely um, take out, mitigate all the other factors that go along with that because, yeah. you know, we know desexed animals, if you feed them the same amount, they'll tend to put on more weight mm-hmm. because desexing makes them cheaper to feed yep. um, so you need to give them less food um, and Labradors like their food um, <laughs> yep. and to the best of my knowledge that study and a couple other studies you know tried to um, cancel out the the weight of the dog and the condition score to some extent but it wasn't completely um, you know standardized mm. for the for the um, for the trial so yeah there's certainly a confirmational change that goes yep. along with early desexing, so it is a risk factor. Yep. Yeah. Um, as touched on genetics, risk, risk, risk factor, um, obesity, which is, you know, Glenn likes to talk about for yep. everything is always a factor. banging on about he fat does. dogs and fat puppies, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's the truth. I mean, yep. I would say, you know, 80% of the dogs that I see with cruciate ligament ruptures um, have been significantly overweight for a significant portion of their life, um, mm-hmm. and things just wear out faster. Putting more stress on them, aren't they? They're carrying it's just, it's around more, more weight yep. than their body was built to. Yep. Um, yep. So it's just, you know, it's the, the straight line force. If you've got more weight coming down, things are just mm-hmm. going to wear out faster. You could postulate that, you know, fat dogs are more unhealthy and maybe they've got greater inflammatory levels oh, in yeah. general in their body. Are they pre-diabetic? Are they um, just more inclined to be less able to sort out low-grade inflammation? Yep. And has that inflammation um, contributed to, you know, fraying of the connective tissue mm-hmm. um, in that ligament? You know, it, it's, it, again, difficult to prove that. Yep. But, but the bottom line is, um, fat dogs get cruciate troubles far more than dogs of, yep. of, of a good weight. Yeah. Um, age is another factor, I guess. So your older dogs are a bit more common to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just because of accumulated wear and tear. That's right. Um, so yep. they've just been you know, beating up their joints for longer. For but, longer. I mean, I see quite a lot of 
18 months, two-year-old mm-hmm. dogs with, with cruise ship troubles. I mean, they're you know, by far not old dogs, yep. um, and a lot of those have got that quite upright confirmation. Yep. Um, I mean, some of them have been overweight from the start, and, yep. and some of them haven't been. Like, if you've got really upright confirmation, like some of them are just just disasters waiting to happen yep. as far as blowing out their cruise ships. Um, and it's, you know, if you, all you can do is keep them at the right weight. That's, yep. that's the only thing you've got control over at the yep. end of the day. Um, if they're mad, lunatic ball chasers, <laughs> again, you know, in my opinion, that's sudden um, direction changes is, yeah. is certainly pretty hard on joints and and if you've got a, a border collie that's got really upright confirmation um mm-hmm. and is addicted to ball chasing <laughs> yep. i just say i just try and minimize it like yep. just the smallest amount that you can do that keeps them happy but certainly you know runs and and walking in straight lines to maintain that muscle mass mm-hmm. and maintain um, all the supportive structures as best as possible um, because if the only exercise that your dog does is go out in the backyard and throw a tennis ball for 15 minutes a day and yep. or you're sitting out there on the back porch having a beer and the dog just drops the ball at your foot yep. and you throw it and Sounds it's awesome. drops the ball <laughs> on your foot and you throw it again. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's pretty hard on joints. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, a lot of those sort of dogs, I mean, that's if, if they're not chasing the ball, they're running up and down the front fence chasing yeah. the post. Kind of can't stop them. cars going past, or the dogs next door, yep. or the kids going past. You know, they, that's that's they've got fifty generations of chasing yep. stuff in their body, yep. um, and just the sudden stops and turns. I mean, it's pretty hard on joints. Yep. Yeah. Um, and osteoarthritis is also a bit of an underlying factor. That yeah, and then again, chicken and egg sort of stuff. So yep. if you've got oh, yeah. um, fraying of the ligament, and some dogs will like stretch the ligament, yep. um, and so it doesn't go twang, doesn't go from one hundred percent to zero percent function in you know, two minutes. Yep. Um, you can get some of these dogs; they'll stretch the mm. ligament and cause some troubles cause some instability, cause premature arthritic change, um, and that makes the joint um, more inflamed and, yep. and that could contribute to you know further degeneration down the track. Yep. But, yeah, if you've got arthritis in the joint, um, it, it certainly doesn't, um, doesn't help things. Um, and there's a small subset of um, little dogs mostly with um, subluxating patellas, or mm-hmm. dislocating patellas, that inflammation from that and also the instability of that. So the knee's out of position yep. because the, the kneecap's not running in the front of the joint anymore. It's, it's fallen off to the side. Yep. Um, that certainly increases the load on the cruciate ligament. We see quite a lot of you know small breed bent-legged Jack Russells and, and yep. Fox Terriers and Chih Tzus and Maltesers um, that play their cruciates often sort of secondary to some patella dysfunction. Yep. Yeah, and again, little fat dogs, <laughs> big fat dogs. Yeah, yep. it's a problem. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of the time it's really clear that your dog, well, most of the time when they pop their cruciate, they just basically go from a four-legged dog to a three-legged dog, yep. don't they? They yep. hold their leg up. It's oh. really, really painful. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, well, it is. That's right. And it's confusing to some people because it's not painful to touch. No. Like, so the dog's three-legged lame doesn't want to bear weight on it um, because it hurts to bear weight on it. Yeah. But you lie them down and, and they're happy for you to, you know, poke and prod and, and you can yeah. you can bend the joints normally as in you can, you know, um, flex and extend, yep. straighten and bend the knee in a non-weight-bearing yeah. position and it doesn't hurt. You can, you know, touch the knee and it doesn't hurt. It's not swollen necessarily yeah. at the start um, and some people are confused with, you know, he's not painful, like he's yeah. not sore, um, but but he can't bear weight on it. But yeah. if you do the, the couple of different diagnostic tests that yeah. we do um, through, you know, palpating the joint, um, 
looking for that anterior draw, so um, holding the, the thigh bone um, and the kneecap and, mm-hmm. and stabilising that and moving the shin bone backwards and forwards, you know, how much laxity is there, yep. is that painful? And, and a lot of time you, you don't do that too much because it's bloody painful. Yep. Um, and if you've got a dog that's got discomfort on the start of that draw sign, I mean, most of the time I recommend, okay, yeah, we'll give them some pain relief, we'll sedate mm-hmm. them yep. um, to get them more comfortable so we can we can assess um, the degree of movement that's there because they usually look normal on an x-ray yeah. um, other than you know secondary change and sometimes like there's a swelling or effusion within yeah. the joint so you'll see that on an x-ray certainly but the actual bone apart from the shin bone being further forward yeah. um that there's no you know fractures there's no other uh, diagnosable symptoms yeah. on an x-ray it's it's basically how much movement is there so you'll yeah. have you know five to ten to sometimes 15 millimeters of movement on one side um compared to two to three millimeters of movement mm-hmm. on the opposing joint on the other yep. side on the same dog um, and all dogs are you know different some dogs are really floppy dogs and yep. they'll have more movement but again you compare that to the other side and, yep. it's, and it's significantly less um, so that's really the first diagnostic or the diagnostic tool isn't it is yeah to- it's, it's a clinical diagnosis yep. there's no blood test there's no uh, like x-rays on its own won't you know diagnose it you can have a suspicion from what it looks like in x-rays but yep. until you actually feel that joint hopefully in a sedated yep. dog because um, i mean some dogs you that are if they've been done for longer, so the yep. lames have been going for longer, that acute painful inflammation isn't there in the joint, and they'll let you have a feel of it, and it's just, you know, it's just sloppy, yep. basically. Um, but yeah, I don't like making dogs more uncomfortable than, no, they, than they already are. So you know, I'll often, you know, just slightly move that joint in that. Um, weight bearing position yeah. basically so you, you're moving the foot up like the ground's pushing yep. upwards and, and stabilizing so there's a couple of different draw tests that yep. we do there um but if it's painful on that on a dog that's you know recently become very painful it's it's okay let's make them more comfortable yep. and slow them down yeah. um, so i can get a decent feel of it and, and they're not more uncomfortable because of it yeah yeah, yeah. so if it hasn't popped essentially <laughs> then um you can still note that there might be some like more less significant signs that there's something going on there with that cruciate. Like, yeah, I mean the the ones that have got like a stretched cruciate yeah. sometimes they're not as lame, and you'll have a you know an underlying lameness, and that's the the more complicated ones where you know they they've been a bit lame over time, and, yeah. and maybe they've stretched it a bit you know two months ago, but they've still got some secondary arthritis it's already mm-hmm. starting um and the joint's still fraying and it's probably still going to go pop at some Eventually, stage down yeah. the track um, i mean some of those dogs you'll you know um, significantly rest them for an extended period to take the pressure off that ligament yep. and everything can settle down um but most of them realistically they they seem to go on to rupture their cruciate yep. li- ligament so um i mean rest is still important um as a you know, preemptive move yeah. if you if you feel that ligament and it's not complete laxity like it doesn't just go and it's a subjective feel that that your vet um sort of has yeah. it's um there's just no resistance no resistance no resistance and it just stops at the end when, yep. the, when the rest of the joint can't move any further yep. um and sometimes there's still you know there's still some resistance there um but it's not as much resistance mm-hmm. as there should be and that's the ones that have potentially done, the, done yep. the partial tear but again if it's partial they're still more prone to damaging their meniscus and, and yep. arthritic change so it's, it's still know, needs to be seen still needs to be seen and and you know you can do some of the the uh auxiliary stuff that you know just general joint protection yep. and, and anti-arthritic medications and that sort of thing that, that come into it um whether they've you know completely popped it or, or half done it um yep. those things can help to protect the joints as well yeah so treatment options for cruciate ligaments there's surgical options and then there's non-surgical options um let's start with non-surgical because it's quicker <laughs> yeah. 
Look, I mean, most of the non-surgical... If you've got a complete rupture of the cruciate ligament, I mean, there's there's no dogs that are great um, without surgery, essentially. Yep. Um, I mean, there are... Um, Custom made, and there are off the shelf like braces available, mm-hmm. um, which are difficult to keep on. Um, mm. They're difficult to keep on often enough to, to keep you know, the dog comfortable, and they're not suitable for um, put it on your dog in the morning and then you go to work for 12 hours and come yep. home and hope it's still there while they're running around the backyard. So yep. that's you know, not really an option there. Look, I've seen a few cases that um, have been mostly referred to specialists for, you know, are we going to do surgery on this joint yep. or not? Um, and for whatever reason, the, the surgery was decided that it wasn't a great idea. I mean, look, there's, there's old dogs with, you know, other troubles yep. that, that do their cruciates and, and sometimes won't handle the do, doing a surgical procedure. Yeah, I mean, just increasing risk factors yep. and, and other problems. And, and, you know, if you've got, you know, significant arthritic change in both back legs, okay, if you, if you take, you know, one leg out of play for six to 12 weeks re- mm-hmm. rehab period um, and put a lot more weight on the other leg, if the other leg's half trash, well, that makes things more Very difficult nice. yep. as well. Um, so, yeah, I have seen a couple of cases that have been you know, adequately managed with very diligent owners that are prepared to spend lots of time, you know, managing, putting splints on and yep. off and um, sorry, braces yeah. and confining them and, and you, know, you know, managing not pressure sores but, you know, because if you yep. put it on the wrong spot and tight enough, you're like, you can end up with pressure sores. But it's just they're difficult to manage and it yep. takes lots of, of man hours to, to manage it because you can't just keep it on there all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's usually not a satisfactory um thing for, for most pets because at the end of the day you, you know a lot of the dogs you know a two-year-old dog you're not going to manage in a splint for the next 10 to 15 years yep. um if you've got a 12-year-old dog that um has got a shorter potential lifespan well okay it's a you know it's something to consider but they're usually a very poor second option mm-hmm. yeah if it's not a complete tear of that um ligament um non-surgical option can be really strict rest and confinement. Really strict rest and confinement and, and all the secondary antiarthritic yes, stuff to, yep. to help the joint out as best as possible. I mean, a lot of them still go under rupture their cruciate, yep. so it's not, I mean, it's not a waste of time, But and you tried um, and it doesn't do any harm. I mean, a lot of them like sitting around home on the yeah. bed and not doing much, but, I mean, the level of confinement needed is it's significant oh, confinement. Yes. It's not just keeping them inside for most of the time. No. I mean, it's, it's you know, cage rest or um, yep. on lead on their bed next to the couch or next to your desk at home and then on lead walks out to the yep. toilet um, that are fully supervised on a lead um, yep. so they can't run to the front yep. fence or, or play with the other dog and do that sort of thing. It's not just um, let them be in the backyard and um, not take them for a walk. Correct, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's really strict, strict confinement home. because yeah. they can't self-regulate and they get excited or something <laughs> and then try and rapidly run for 10 metres while well, they've undone yeah. the last three weeks' work sort yep. of thing because it's, you know, it, it's the joint's already unstable. And potentially popped it. Potentially popped it, yeah. And look, it's it's a big problem. I mean, a lot of those dogs, they, they, they're just on the way to popping. It just hasn't gone yet. Yeah. 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 So... Surgical options, because there are a few different um, yep. surgical options. Yep. Do you want to talk us through those? Which keep changing over time. Um, well, they do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and most of the procedures that are used now, they didn't exist when I graduated 24 years yep. ago. Um, so, you know, it, it changes over time, and same with human medicine. Like, they're, they're doing different um, procedures on all sorts of surgery stuff over time. And, and, I mean, the best procedures that we've got now surgically um, for, you know, medium to large breed dogs involve changing the angle of that um, tibial plateau, so the top mm-hmm. of the shin bone, um, and changing the, the forces within the joint to take the pressure off um, 
the what used to be the, the cruciate ligament, yep. so it's not replacing the cruciate ligament, but it's just changing the angle so you don't need it anymore okay, um, and, yep. and normalising the joint structure as much as possible, um, usually investigating the joint, what's the meniscus up to, removing yep. the, the cruciate ligament that snapped because it's just floating around in there as a, as a source of, of you know, increasing inflammation yep. and trauma within the joint. Um, so you're removing damaged tissue, checking the meniscus, doing um, a meniscal release to mm-hmm. take the pressure off the meniscus if there's a, 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 a flap on the meniscus mm-hmm. it's removing that damaged tissue so it can fill in with with them um uh, hopefully reasonable scar tissue. Yep. So once that's done, um, you're cutting the tibia in some way to um, change the angle of the joint. Yep. So there's two main procedures with about 11 variations thereof, <laughs> essentially, um, that we use, and, and one's a TPLO, so a triple, yep. so a, a tibial plateau leveling osteotomy. Uh-huh. So it's cutting horizontally across the shin bone in yep. some way, shape, or form, um, and changing the actual angle of the tibia. Uh-huh. Um, where it interfaces with the with the um, femur, the thigh bone at the joint, yep. and putting some hardware in place to keep all those bones in position. So the hardware is to replace that ligament that's been. Well, no, the hardware hard is to, to you've cut the bone in half, so, to, um, so to get it stable enough to heal over the next six to ten weeks, um, so the bone heals itself. So you're not really okay. stabilising the joint; yep. you're using the surrounding tissues to change the angles to, mm. to make it um, function better. Yeah. Yep. So um, we'll put up um, some photos probably in the um, mm. in the um, bits and pieces on yeah. um, social media for this, and, and there's a link on. Um, the website as well um, yes. with the blog post for the cruciate ligaments but yeah there's a fair bit of hardware involved in some of these yeah. procedures like the TPLO there's a plate um, and a few pins or screws um, involved in, yep. in changing those angles um, and the other main procedure which has sort of gained a bit of popularity in the last couple of years is a TTA so a, a tibial um, uh, advancement procedure where you're cutting the bone vertically and using where the patella ligament joins the top of the shin bone um, and actually cranking that forward and mm. putting some hardware in place that uses the essentially the patella to pre-tension the yep. joint through changing the angle. So um, some of that's a, um, a titanium cage, some of it's another plating procedure, there's an artificial bone um, graft that, that wow. New Zealand company's making um, to, to drop in there to crank that um, that tibial crest forward. Uh, it's a less invasive procedure to some extent. None of the procedures are without potential risk because yeah. you're you know, cutting bones um, exactly. e- either in half or, or nearly in half and then cranking them out um, and, and tensioning them. Like, <laughs> I mean, once they're stable, um, yeah. it, it's usually not. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, sorry, it's a, it's a traumatic surgical yeah. Um, procedure, so they're on really good pain relief afterwards, but yep. um, it, it's more so, okay, we've got to keep them confined for the next six to eight weeks yep. to get these bones to heal because yep. we've gone from a, a, a joint problem that was very painful to now I've cut your leg in half mm. uh, and we've got to be um, confined enough to allow that to heal. Yep. And a lot of them are you know, quite comfortable after, you know, 10 to 14 days post-surgery once yep. the post-surgical bruising, etc., resolves, um, and that's the time that the bones are the weakest because they're, yep. they're partly healed, but it doesn't go from... Um, cut to gets stronger and stronger from there. It actually gets weaker for about a fortnight because mm. the bone's working itself out where yep. it needs to go and be. Um, so sometimes when they're feeling pretty good at the two-week mark, that's when they're most likely to try and overdo it and, yep. and snap their leg in half, um, which yeah, you nice. don't want to happen. So essentially they can't do it again because they have no ligament left. They haven't, and you haven't replaced the ligament. You <laughs> just change right. the angles within the joint. Yeah, so, so, if, so if you do that draw test, as in yep. if you feel that 
um, that movement, that movement's yeah. still there post those surgeries. Um, but you've changed the angle of the joint that when they bear weight on mm. the leg, um, it stops that shin bone from wanting to push forward, forward because yeah. you've changed the angle. So you haven't actually made the joint any or much tighter, um, but you've actually stopped the angles um, where the joint doesn't have to stop that yep. movement anymore. Yep. Yeah. So it's the bone doing the job instead of the ligament doing Correct. the job. Correct, yeah, because yeah. you've changed the angles. Um, and the procedure we use in like, smaller breed dogs um, more commonly is, uh, is a, a ligament replacement of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not within the joint. Usually you do it outside the joint, but you're putting an artificial graft of some sort in there to um, take the place of that ligament. Mm-hmm. So that's either um, a strong bit of nylon suture that looks very similar to a fishing line leader um, or a bit of... Um, um, braided tape there's a heap of different systems that you can use um, as far as what the actual implants are but they are effectively using the bottom of the thigh bone in mm-hmm. a similar spot to where the cruciate comes out of um, and something at the front of the shin bone yep. um, where the patella ligament comes in and putting a band of something in there yep. that's tight enough and anchored in place at both ends enough to, to stop that shin bone from yep. pushing forward. And in you know, small breed dogs, um, up to you know, certainly 10 kilos and a lot of time up to 15 kilos, you'll get away with that. Um, mm-hmm. actually less invasive procedure. I mean, you're not cutting bones in it half, so awesome, yeah. you've got less chance for catastrophic complications. Yep. I mean, catastrophic complications are, are quite rare. So um, by catastrophic, you're saying like um, – Obviously, the chance of infection, breaking that bone, or yeah, um, and losing the leg. Well, losing leg, or, to, or just needing you know, more surgeries, or, yep. or you know, fixing bones in position in a different way, and all yep. that sort of thing, um, as opposed to um, putting a graft in because you're not cutting the bone in half in the first place. Okay, that's not going to happen, but, yeah. but the implants can sometimes fail, and 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 the, it's the repair procedure isn't effective. Um, but most of them are. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it's just a different way of going about it, and then you will see a reduction in that draw, a reduction yep. in that movement in the joint because you put an artificial something in there to, to actually physically stop that yep. movement. Yeah. So that ligament replacement essentially, yep. well, can they then snap that? Um, again? Can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot of the time you get. Uh, connective tissue, scar tissue around the implant that if the implant fails 6, 12, 18 months later, mm-hmm. um, the, the scar tissue in the same plane sort of takes up the um, the job of the actual implant yep. itself, we think. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it, look, it's a good procedure in the right patients. And again, yep. you know, I've, I've seen that procedure done on both legs of a 70 kilo Newfoundland. Oh. Um, that was... 18 years ago. Yeah, when um, there was no other. <laughs> when there was other procedures that were used and, and that was yep. sort of one of the you know, new procedures at that stage. And look, it wasn't ideal, but that dog was a hell of a lot better with the procedure done than, yep. than, than not doing it. Um, so, and look, it's going to change over time. There's there's always modifications mm-hmm. and there'll probably be a completely new technique to to, yeah. to do the same thing in five to ten years' time um, with hopefully you know, better results. There, there yep. is arthroscopic surgery going on for meniscuses now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, some um, surgeons will do that procedure that we just discussed um, and and actually not going to the joint. Okay. Um, it's a little bit controversial. Um, and if they continue to have troubles, you can then do an arthroscope on the joint and go in and check out the, yep. the meniscus and, manu- and remove the other tissue. And look, a lot same as a lot of surgical procedures, it's, it comes down to um, the, the particular surgeon's favoured technique yep. and um, how often yeah. they're doing the procedure. I mean, there's specialists that all they do is... One percent. Cruciate ligaments, yep. yeah. Um, and there's a couple of surgeons that uh, I preferably do left legs because I'm really good. At, <laughs> I'm really good at left legs because it's the opposite. Everything's oh different on the right leg. So, oh, true. Uh, and and look, there's enough of demand. Okay, 
Just do a left leg. This dog's got a left leg ligament. I'm going to get such and such to do it because yeah. um, he's really good at left legs. Okay. Um, so, but, but yeah, there's, there's you know, mobile surgeons in Brisbane that mm-hmm. um, go to um, GP normal yep. vet clinics yep. um, and some GP vets will do these procedures but a yep. lot won't um, and they'll call in a specialist that basically, you know, four or five days a week they'll do one in the morning and one in the afternoon. That's how um, common it is, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely, yep. yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's you know, two or three around Brisbane that yeah. I know of and there's probably more that I don't know of yep. um, that, you know, they do, you know, at least six or seven a week wow. um, yeah. and in you know, bigger practices and, and a lot of your corporate vets, um, vet clinics have you know got multiple practices referring to them. They've just yeah. got, you know, a, a surgeon that, okay, he's the cruciate man. He's, yeah. you know, he's got six or seven clinics referring his yeah. um, their cruciate cases to him yep. um, and he just lines them up all week doing yep. cruciate surgery. Yeah. Is it more common in your bigger dogs than your smaller dogs? Tends to be, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. because of weight and… Weight and confirmation and, yeah. and I mean, yeah, size and… and um, Strength of tissue relatively yep. certainly comes into it, but I mean, I see quite a lot of those, yeah, little bendy legged dogs with the patella troubles. Yep. Like, yeah, I see lots of yeah, Maltese and Chichas and and little um, fluffy dogs that, yeah, you know, again, weight's a big problem in most dogs that I see, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's medium to large breed dogs um, are confirmationally prone. I mean, there's your working style dog catalogs, Kelpies, yep. um, that may or may not be fat that just like racing around like lunatics and, yep. and doing lots of high speed turns that that. Um, blow their joints out and um, and little dogs that uh, tend to have the patella troubles that makes them more prone to it. Yep. Yeah. There's um, another, oh, it's an unfortunate fact, I guess, is that once they've done one cruciate, they're likely to do the other. 50% do the other one within 12 months. Yeah. See, that's pretty and then sucky, it, And it goes it? up a bit from there as well, probably yeah. because they're, you know, the confirmation is probably pretty similar on both sides, both sides and yep. they're both, um, you know, under significant wear and tear and one goes first mm-hmm. um, and then when you've got, if you do your left cruciate, well, the right leg does a fair bit more work, yep. regardless of what's going on for the next couple of months, if you yep. get it fixed or not. Um, yep. and, and it sort of accelerates the wear on that side. Yep. So, you know, we, we're asking a lot of the other, the other leg, certainly. And again, there's a few surgeons that are, um, you know, recommending, okay, if they do one leg, well, do we just do the same procedure on the other mm. leg while yep. they're out to it? Um, and the other one hasn't gone yet, but as a preventative measure to, yep. to help, um, stop it. And um, I guess again, that- that's not that common, but, but there's a train of thought that, the other one's going to go anyway. It's yeah. probably under stress. Do we go and have a look at that joint and, and investigate it with an arthroscope? And if the yeah. joint's already a bit trashed, down, um, go and fix it before happens. I mean, it it's happens. only one lot of surgery, one lot of rest period after. It is. I mean, some of them, you know, again, large dog, we cut both their bones and their back legs. Yeah. It's more complicated as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's, you know, there's different surgeons with different um, lifetime experiences yep. and, and um, what results they get. Yeah, the TTA yeah. surgery, which is one where it, it, it is less invasive. Um, for the bony structures, I mean, it's you're not destabilizing things as much. Yep. Um, there's there's quite a few dogs get bilateral TDAs, and realistically, I mean, some dogs, you know, they've done one. You're arranging, well, finances and mm. and and the um, uh, surgery on the first leg, and they pop second one, and they've done them both at the same time. Yep. Um, so then, you know, some of those get them get both fixed at the same time as yep. well. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yeah, it's um, just such a common thing to happen. It is, and, unfortunately. And look, yeah. and it's becoming more common. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is the desexing side of that um, mm-hmm. part of it, potentially? Um, is it that we see more fat dogs than we did, you know, mm. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 yep. years ago? I think probably. Yeah. Yep. I think there's you know, more sedentary lifestyles and smaller yards and um, mm-hmm. people with less time to take their dogs, you know, to do stuff with them. But it's, I mean, overfeeding is, is yep. you know, a big problem. Yep. Um, and, you know, the fatter they are, the more likely they are to blow their cruciates. Yep. Um, as well as have a whole handful of other yep. um, health issues. Health issues, <laughs> correct. 
So, yeah, we're going to cover obesity <laughs> podcasts. Oh, no, it. it's going to be so long. <laughs> it will be long. Or it could be just Glenn short. Glenn will be in heaven. So. It could be just short, just feed your dog less. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Glenn's got a real thing about obesity. It seems to be brought up every episode well, at the moment. It's an underlying factor for lots of troubles, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So we will cover that at a later point. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's basically the cruciate ligament. Yeah, it's just, I mean, again, you've only, you've got the dog you've got. The only yes, thing you've got control yeah. over is diet and exercise um, yep. and it's you know there's some exercises that are a risk factor yep. but not doing exercise doesn't help either that's right um, and um, diet is just most of the time less food have yep. them um, on a balanced diet that is um, as least inflammatory as possible and if you've got any sign of joint disease I mean preemptively getting in there with yep. um, you know your fish oils and joint supplements and injections through your vet that mm-hmm. help to improve blood supply to cartilage um, your arthritis um, your treatments arthritis yep. treatment plan um, you know it can make a difference and um, yeah, if you've if you've got a suspicion that your dog's you know obviously if it's three lane it needs to go to the vet yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yep so basically that's all we can tell you about the cruciate. That's cruciates. A bit of a bugger if you've got it is. With it, it's so. just so common. Yep. Does my head in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.